0: Over the weekend, I was in touch with a uh, colleague in the multifamily industry, Eric Silverman, and uh, exchanged some notes and was sent a copy of um, a presentation on his current fund and thought he would make a great uh, second episode of the Multifamily Connect podcast. So um, I have a great conversation here, only 20 minutes long coming up. And uh, Eric is the co-founder of East Ham Capital. He's been investing in apartment communities since 2007. So he has some experience going through um, both bad times and, and good. And uh, in this episode, he's gonna share a little bit of his strategy, how some of it's changed and other parts of it has largely remained um, consistent based on their Five year plus holding periods uh, that they have for properties in their portfolio. So um, enjoy this episode. I had a lot of more questions I want to ask uh, Eric at a later date. He's a real interesting um, executive in the industry. He's been a longtime friend of the firm, uh, often speaks at the multifamily executive conference. He's very active in NMHC. Uh, in fact, last time, we connected was at nmhc's annual conference uh, in florida so uh take a listen let me know what you think here's uh, eric silverman co-founder of eastham capital last time we saw each other was back at nmhc in january and you were extremely busy then um obviously a lot has happened since then what were you uh were you spending most of your time working on then and has has that changed dramatically uh to this date and, and what you're spending your time on now
1: uh she, well yes and no um i'm always uh ca- i always care about the apartments that we own <clears throat> and while we buy and sell pretty frequently uh we currently own and have roughly currently owned about ten thousand units um, for for actually a few years now, we've been buying and selling, quite a few, maybe th- a few thousand units a year, but kind of keeping around that ten thousand unit number. Um, current portfolio is forty four properties um, going into the year, and, and I, I want to say that since the beginning of the year, we've we've bought two and, and, and sold one or two. So it's about kind of where it was when I saw you in January at NMHC. And um, certainly in the last month, we've been focusing more of our attention on the operations uh, of those 44 properties, um, which are in 10 different states. Uh, we have some concentrations in Texas, Indiana, um, North Florida, those would be our Uh, The areas that we have the most properties, but we're in another, I guess that's three states. So we're in another seven states. Um, We own them all in joint venture with uh, with local operators. Um, There's actually 11 joint venture partners that we own those 44 properties with, of course, some more than others. And so one of the things that we've been doing most recently is sharing information on an anonymous basis, if you will, between those 11 JV operating partners. Um, What kind of letters are they sending out to their residents? What actions are they taking Um, even over the weekend, I forwarded uh, a good article from the NAA about, I think, 10 steps that people are using to, um, you know, work with their residents today, given the situation with COVID-19. So, I'd say in the last month, we've certainly been doing more of that. Uh, However, um, importantly, for our business back in January at NMHC, when you saw me, I was much more focused on the pipeline of what we might be buying, um, which, as I said, we do in joint venture with operating with operating partners Um our, our, our quarter up until, you know, that finished just at the end of March. Um, frankly, we saw a ton of deals and um, we did very little. Um, I would say that going into this crisis, prices were high. As you know, interest rates were low um, and uh, pricing was high and we didn't uh, we didn't add anything. Um, I apologize that. Yes. Uh, from a couple doors down is a dog of mine barking. So no uh, that's, welcome to COVID-19 yes, world. Even this though is my a new world. door to my study is closed, the, the dog is barking. Sorry uh, about that one. Um, so, you know, what what the decision that Matt Rosenthal and I made, we run the company, as you know, uh, going into this was we are open for business. And um, we realize that there will likely be opportunities uh, on the buy side for properties in this market. And the reasoning is relatively simple for us. When we underwrite a new purchase of a multifamily property, we typically underwrite a five-year hold. Uh, We don't buy and hold forever. Uh, But we don't flip them in, you know, six months for a year. And so when I look out today and think about where will we be in two or three years from now, well before our kind of five-year hold expectation, um, I see a lot of good things in multifamily. I see a lot of good things in our area, which I think would colloquially be considered workforce housing. Um, Our average rent across those properties is $950 a month. Um, we probably have some units in some markets that are in the 650 range, and we probably have some units in some other areas in the 13, 1400 range. But kind of our average rent is, you know, thousand bucks, 950 to be exact. So um, I'm thinking that that will be an area that there will continue to be demand for. Um, housing is, uh, you know, obviously a core need uh, at all times. And I'm very um, you know, optimistic about where the market will go, um, although I do think we're going to have a year or two of difficulty getting from here to there. So, um, you know, going into this, we were doing what we always do, looking for apartment properties to buy and own with great joint venture partners. Um, and now we are doing the same thing. Um, The, the projects that we're working on right now, we're seeing about a 10% discount to their pricing uh, right before the market, uh, right before this uh, situation hit. Um, 10% doesn't sound like a lot. But it can be quite material when you're thinking about a five-year hold investment, and you believe that, as we do, that we will get through this period of time and come out the other end. Um, I would love a 20% discount. I'm just not seeing that yet.
0: Interesting. Interesting. And I've, um, you know, I went back through your, uh, this, this PDF that you sent me, and uh, looking back at your history, you're, uh, you're on Fund 6 now. And uh, you know your first fund happened um, back in 2008, and it was it's amazing to track that growth of uh, of the various funds throughout. And what are you seeing? Obviously, this is uh, quite a different market fundamentally. Um, the capital markets haven't frozen up the same way they they have. What are you seeing on the on the debt side in, in keeping things moving moving forward here with uh, your next fund?
1: Yeah. Um, Fannie and Freddie are active in the markets, and there was a lot of turbulence in their pricing in the last few weeks. But I looked at a spreadsheet from one of the major brokers this morning, and the, the spreads have tightened back up, uh, certainly relative to a very low uh, basis of the treasuries, you know, a 10-year treasury at uh, 75 basis points, give or take. So um, rates are in the threes. Um, depending on the product type, Fannie and Freddie, you buy, they could be in the low threes or high threes, but threes sound good to me. Um, so we're seeing, you know, we're seeing active financing on the, the things we're looking at. Um, you know, I would say that um, some banks are active. Some banks are pulling back. I know some insurance companies uh, remain active I'm not sure that we'll hit their loan to value requirements. We tend to borrow 70, 75% of, of value. Uh, we did one insurance company loan in December at a 75% loan to value. Most of the insurance companies typically lend in the 60, 65% range. I don't know if that 75% loan to value money will be out there for the insurance companies. It is from Fannie and Freddie or higher even, 80, and HUD is at 83 or 85 or whatever their crazy big number is. So uh, the agencies are in the market to lend. Um, some of the others are pulling away. Um, we've never borrowed CMBS. Um, I feel for people that borrow CMBS because I think this will be a really difficult period again, just like it was last time. Um, and um, I don't think CMBS will be able to, to put too many deals together. Um, especially because often those deals are commingled with other real estate types, which are clearly not doing as well as multifamily Um, things like hotels and shopping centers to name two. Um, And, you know, what, what we're seeing, I believe is in a large way, the government putting themselves in a position to support the market Uh, Their initial moves on lending, the fact that Fannie and Freddie are open is really good. The forbearance and modification uh, terms so far are frankly not great. Um, The new lending is requiring significant uh, deposits like one year of principal and interest and sometimes one year of principal interest and other reserves, taxes, insurance, et cetera. This this in and of itself has not, I'd say, Five of the ten percent out of the pricing of things that that sellers uh, that need to sell or choose to sell will will be receiving for their properties. There is a big grouping, and we're seeing it of properties that were put under contract in February and March that are having a hard time closing. Um, sometimes it's equity pulling out, sometimes it's debt pulling out, sometimes it's sponsors pulling out. Um, that's real, that's happening, but that too will pass because, you know, the deals are, are, are not going to get done at the pricing that they were, that they were booked at. I don't think certainly not a
0: lot of them. So,
1: um, there I've gone on and on yeah. a little bit about Yeah, pricing. That's awesome.
0: A, hey, um, quick take on, I sat in on that webinar last week that NMHC put on with their, um, results from April 5th, um, rent payments. And I know you had mentioned in, in our emails, um, you were seeing, um, above average. Do you, I I guess, speaking of what the average is, what is your take on this? I know after the call, I was somewhat encouraged by the fact that, you know, 70%, um, had paid by April five. When you look at that, as, as uh, compared to the benchmark of 82% paying, you know, just the month prior and the year year over year. So that, that headline number that came out in a lot of the articles made it seem quite a bit worse. Um, what's your take on that overall and, and what you're seeing in your portfolio? Uh,
1: thanks for asking, um, you know, I think the NMHC uh, numbers is you know super interesting, assuming that they truly do cover millions of units across all those uh, software providers. Um, Yardi, who acquired Rentro, I don't know if they were on that list, but anyhow, there is a lot of there's a lot of units that are on that list. Maybe Yardi was, and um, the, my, I, I guess I would say that. Our expectation was that we might only collect 80% of rent this month. I believe we're going to be in the 90 to 95% of rent collected. So we are far exceeding my expectations as it relates to our portfolio of 44 properties. I think that um, it was also maybe illuminating for some who think about it that the average rent collected in America on April 5th which typically the rents do on the 1st and late on the 2nd and then the late fees kick in on the 6th um the fact that 82% is kind of the average in America um especially when i think we know that the typical apartment property collects you know frankly 99 or 98% of its rent very few properties um, you know, don't collect near a hundred percent of rent. So I think that's illuminating that you've got a lot of people that it takes them longer in the month to pay their rent, but it does get paid. Um, I thought that the the headline number of sixty nine or seventy percent collected, um, I think that'll trend up. I've got it booked in my calendar. 11.30 East Coast time every week for the next seven weeks to listen to that yep. podcast and to listen to that report. But I guess my takeaway, just to be blunt, is that things are not as bad as we had feared. And the market is doing a good job of collecting rent, which is a critical component of, t- of, of helping and taking care of people
0: right now in this time. Excellent. Yeah, that, that was kind of my takeaway as well. But I, I'm Hearing that from you is, um, especially given your focus in the workforce housing kind of segment, is uh, is, is pretty reassuring. Um, I know I, I promised to get you out of here in 20 minutes. I wanted to um, – you know, you've been a value-add investor, and I want to just ask you uh, one more question around that with regards to do you see that strategy changing um, going forward? As, as far as the new fund goes and maybe how you approach uh, your strategy?
1: I, I do. And I, I think what was going on in the industry and why it's been difficult for many longtime players to buy over the last few years is that the, 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 the strategy around value add used to be that you could see a higher value by putting more capital in, uh, not just ficking, fixing deferred maintenance, but also adding you know, uh, improvements. And um, the, the issue was that the pricing started to move to, well, of course, if we add things, we're gonna get these higher rents. And, and so so sellers were able to capture, kind of as much of the value as if they had done the value adds. So do I think there will be more value add kind of on the other side of this um, coronavirus and COVID-19 virus? Do I think there will be value add? Absolutely, because this is what we do. Apartments, you know, they don't live, you know, they don't sustain forever. You've got to improve apartments. Um, You know, the stuff that was built five or 10 years ago, If we project out five or 10 years, that's going to need to be value added as well. The thing that's different, that's going to come out differently, I believe, in the next few years and coming out quickly is that the values are going to be more realistic as it relates to, well, what is really the in-place situation and how much risk, quote unquote, do you want to take to do the value add as opposed to the seller reaping that? I think, and I'm a big seller. Look, I'm trying to sell these things too. But, uh, but the reality is that I think there will be more realistic pricing of properties that need value add, where people will not be able to capture, let's call it the premium of the opportunity for value add, uh, will be captured more by the buyer and the value adder than it will the seller, my two cents.
0: Got it, got it. And then um, you mentioned early on the, at the opening of uh, the call here, you're communicating with your uh, manager developer partners in these joint ventures you know, pretty regularly. How much do you find now that your involvement in specification and, you know, value add is going to be more uh, hands on, less hands on? I mean, um, how how does that typically work and how might that work going forward?
1: Well, it's going to be the same at Eastern Capital. Um, our, our goal is to pick great operators. It's more important to me than to pick great deals. Uh, Obviously we see a lot of deals and we like some better than others, but I will much quicker do, uh, Do a an investment with a partner that especially one that we've worked with in the past and that we like and trust. I'll do that much quicker than I will do some screaming deal that looks great from a group that for whatever reason I don't feel as comfortable with. So the the point is, I don't think we're changing a thing. Um, we've been buying the same way since we started Eastem and frankly, before that, I think we'll keep doing it the same way. I think we'll keep running the properties the same way we will rely. And I use that word very poignantly. We will rely on the quality of our joint venture partners. All of them are local to the market. All of them have skin in the game as it relates to the investment in the property and all of them self-manage. That has been our strategy for 13 years. Oh, and all our properties, we always focus on lots of cash flow and spend less time focusing on appreciation. We love getting it when we can, but our focus has always been cash flow based. And so those are the rules. They're on the first page of my website. If anybody wants to check out Eastham Capital especially if you've got a deal that you want us to uh, you want our equity for so a little pitch for Eastham Capital to the sponsors out there. But um, if you meet those criteria, we call them guidelines or rules. Um, we're really excited about it. That will not change one iota. That's uh, our, our business is our business, same
0: before and after. That's great. That's a great way to sum it up and uh, and close uh, this episode. And you have to promise to uh, to come back when I uh, when I gain a uh, a following here, Eric. I'd love to have you back. And so many other questions I want to ask you. Just um, about your history in the business. But, um, and I like, and I also want to ask you at some point, um, I love your, uh, your tagline on the first page of the presentation. We fix properties, well, not neighborhoods. Um, we've
1: trade, which we've trademarked. Yes, that's I see trademark. that mark. And, and then by the way, that's the fourth rule, which I didn't mention.
0: Yes. So it's great stuff. Uh, great presentation here. Um, I think uh, you're doing a great job and appreciate you uh, communicating with me and the audience and, of my colleagues I, here at Hanley can Wood. I just,
1: can I just put in one good pitch? Yeah. Uh, I so, so hope that the MFE goes off at the end of September, early October in Las Vegas. Uh, may we all be there. God willing to celebrate uh, our time uh, in quarantine and hopefully back out in the real world in the fall. I can't, uh, no one can, can say that will happen, uh, but I certainly hope it will.
0: Thank you, Eric. And I, I'm, have my fingers crossed that we can uh, be back at it by then on September thirtieth. And uh okay. I look forward to seeing you.
1: Excellent. Thanks, okay. Rob. All Thanks right. for your time.
0: Thank you. Okay. Bye bye.